0: Hey guys, this is Table Talks with Atari an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm Ash. I'm MJ. And today we're taking a look in MJ's mind.
1: Yep. Make sure you have your scrubs on and that your hands are clean because we're about to see a surgical procedure of my heart. (laughs) No, I think today we are unpacking just a lot of conversations we've had or sermons we've listened to and group discussions that we've been a part of that oddly have been centered around idolatry. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking some time to unpack how I've experienced that, how I've been processing that in my own life, in the workplace. And yeah, just a couple of lessons learned and practical applications from the things that I've learned.
0: And we also talk about the sad news at Liverpool.
1: Yeah. That's very sad.
0: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Here's our episode on Liverpool and idols.
0: Hope you enjoyed. All righty. How do you feel about it, babe? Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I'm, I was pretty shocked when I heard it. And it's kind of a sad thing because part of the reason i like started following liverpool was because of him yeah just his his way of leading the team the way he's kind of like a no nonsense no beating around the bush kind of guy and he i think he had like two years left on his contract when he had made the announcement that he's retiring Mm. so it definitely came as a shock Mm -hmm. we knew his time was going to come to an end but not like this and not this soon
0: yeah What are some things that you think sets him apart as a coach?
2: Hmm.
1: I think what he gets out of his players. I've heard somebody say that some coaches just coach around a lot of talent that has been purchased. Mm. So like your Manchester Cities of the world where all of this talent that you have has already been developed. And you just bought it Mm -hmm. and you basically have the best players in your team whereas with Jürgen Klopp I think he has the ability to take the constraints within the budget that he has Mm -hmm. and purchase the right players and develop them really well and so between doing that with the current the senior squad and their emphasis on making sure that they recruit from within so Mm -hmm. like within their what they call the academy, which is like they're under 21s or under mm-hmm. 17s and developing th- them through that way, the long way. It's It's been like a, it's kind of like the quote-unquote budget way of, uh, obviously nothing's really budget at those levels with how much those players are being paid, but compared to other teams with how much they're spending, like Chelsea and Man City and all those guys, what stands out with him is, is he's, he has the ability to squeeze out more out of, like, less that he has available Hmm. and be able to compete at the highest level Mm -hmm. and win trophies. So, and I also just, I think he, he professes to be a Christian. I think that's pretty cool. He has like an ordered understanding of at least to me in terms of like what, what is most important in life. Like he's like, he recognized at the end of the day, this is just a game. Mm -hmm. And this is a luxury for us to be able to spend all of this, energy and effort in doing this and we're going to do it as best as we can and he's just a realist so i think like a lot of the players look up to him almost like a father figure Mm -hmm. so i just imagine he's this like super tall (laughs) german dude that just loves to give his players just big bear hugs Mm -hmm. at the end of games and he's like one over because liverpool when he first came in was not a top tier like in terms of they would finish fifth or sixth in the table And he really, like, lifted them up to, you know, winning the Champions League once, winning the Premier League, Mm -hmm. coming close to the Champions League again. And, well, like, flip that. And so, yeah, they've seen a lot of success with him. Yeah. And now he's living.
0: I know. It's really sad. I think something that stood out to me about him was how at the end of games he does go out onto the field and he hugs every single player. Like, mm-hmm. really, really hugs, like, just grabs them, mm-hmm. you know? And how his ability to foster a sense of team camaraderie. Right. I kind of see that translate into how they do that to each other when they score, or like, there's just the sense of team. Yeah. Amongst the players that I feel like has been very much cultivated by him. And. He's just superior in being able to instill a sense of value in his players, like that he values them. Right. And he's no nonsense. Mm -hmm. He never speaks poorly about any of his players in interviews. And when people try to like trap or bait him, he is like really quick to shut it down. Right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, he knows his way around with media in terms of answering journalists' questions. He is very clear with like the identity that they have as a team Mm -hmm. of being like fast paced, creating a lot of chances, having, we won't get into like all of the tactics and stuff like that, but there's just something clear that Jurgen has built that he recruits around in terms of this system or this, you know, his assistant coach said that their identity is their intensity. Mm-hmm. that's like the thing mm-hmm. and so it's been very evident too in just how again he's recruiting younger players who can keep up with that and it's just a system that he develops his players around and being able to implement he has an awareness like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. so so it's, yeah it's sad and it's also crazy because right now they're at the top of the league i know they have four trophies that they can win And obviously they're having a lot of success with bringing people up from the academy ranks. And you would think it's like the worst time for you to leave because of all this potential success. But then on the flip side too, I feel like it's a good motivator for the players to send him off. Yeah. Send him off with all these trophies. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to take over. I know. Yeah. It'll definitely be an end of an era because I mean, pretty much for as long as I've started, following and supporting and watching games and mm-hmm, this and that mm-hmm. he has been the i know he's been the coach so
0: yeah and the fans just love they adore him
1: yeah they're gonna put a statue up on him <laughs> oh, they're gonna put a statue <laughs>
0: like just his his fist pumps at the end yeah. man there's just i don't know he's a legend in so many ways. he areas. really
1: is and it's crazy because he's not like there's it's weird there's a lot of coaches that are just retiring mm-hmm. like Nick Saban retired. A bunch of NFL player uh, coaches retired, Mm -hmm. or are announcing their retirement, and or maybe not even retiring, but just quitting. Mm -hmm. Um, Jurgen Klopp is, you know, quitting his thing. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them. But yeah, it's a sad day. Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast, and apparently, like there was like a lot of people that were visually upset. (laughs) at Liverpool on Friday when the announcement was made last week so yeah but they've been playing well since so
0: we shall see we shall see how it ends yeah I think he's just stellar a stellar example of leadership in for sure about every way I would use him as an example in a leadership scale Mm -hmm. easily because he just gives so many good examples to pull from so
1: yeah I agree
0: yeah Well, this week, you wanted us to unpack something for you, babe. And now you're getting all squirrely on me. (laughs) Now we have to actually talk about you. You didn't think about that part when you said this.
1: (laughs) Not really. And I think it was just that between really just unpacking how I've been just dealing with work things. Mm -hmm. And then the sermons the last two, three weekends have just been like camping out on this yeah i felt like after whenever we had the last encounter with this topic i was like shoot we should just talk about this so here we are and now i'm like second guessing myself (laughs) you're like what
0: have i done what have i done (laughs) so let's talk about it tell tell me what this is
1: yeah so i think the general premise of it is idolatry Mm. and understanding your idols I think um, you can think of it in the much more maybe archaic, like worshiping a golden calf idol mm-hmm. is probably so- sometimes what you could think about when you hear idolatry and with all the ways that we've been interacting with it and talking about it and sitting in small group and listening to the sermons and experiencing it ourselves, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, I won't include you. It's just how I've been experiencing it we're recognizing it's taking a much more, it's obviously much more subtle than that. Yeah. And so we've been trying to like for ourselves identify what are the things that we would say we worship as an idol. Mm -hmm. I think some of that is just to be able to identify what are some smaller things or lesser things that you're trading off for what should be ultimately found in, in Christ Mm -hmm. and, and, in terms of satisfaction and fulfillment. And sometimes it plays into the very specific longings of our heart that we have as humans that are natural and good and just built in with within us. You know, some people like to call that the the God-sized hole in our hearts. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: But it manifests itself. I think we've talked about this, like, these three aspects. and And I'll need you to help me fill those in in terms Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. what those three are
0: the longings yes yeah a sense of being loved belonging
1: to be affirmed and affirmation Yeah. yeah and so for me i thought it was one and then i think as we talked about it more it ended up being another one and i think it was initially that i thought it was more that i felt like i needed a deep sense of belonging but I wonder now if it's to be affirmed. Mm. And those are almost like so close to each other. They are, yeah. Because it's like, hey, you did something well. Mm-hmm. And so you're one of us. Yeah. Right? Yep. Or the opposite is you're not doing this well. So you're not part of this group. Yep. And so for me at work, like this is how it played out practically. There's somebody that comes that is interested in working with us and he's interviewing other firms and I knew it was like going really well with us. We met in person. We had several conversations. We laid out all of these things we could, you know, and they were very interactive. They started sharing all of their like statements and all of these things. And it was like so good. And, and then towards the end, you know, I it, it was just like, Telling him, hey, like, there's so much we could do for you. I think we could really be a good fit for making sure that all of these questions that you have or concerns that you have, that we're able to help you navigate through them. Like, we go through the whole thing. He's like, all right, thanks for like going through all of this with me. This was like several rounds of meetings, like in person. Mm-hmm. I felt really good about it. It was just like so good. There's, it seems like there's so much potential. potential. There's so much just like, felt like we worked together really well. So he was like, okay, I'll make a decision over the weekend and I'll get, let you know the following week, the following week starts, no word, nothing. Hmm. So I was like, all right, let me just rip off the band aid. You know, is this, are you guys, have you guys made a decision? And then he calls and he says, Hey, we came really close to going with you. And obviously I don't know if he said that just to soften the blow, but I ended up going with somebody that had basically twice as much experience. He's been in the industry twice as long as you have. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh. And so that that really hit me harder than I realized it did. And I think uh, it was just something that I didn't think would affect me as much as it did. Mm-hmm. And a day or two or three go by, and it was still like, man, it's such a bummer. Like. I'm so, I'm so bummed that this didn't work out because mm-hmm. I feel like there could have been a lot there, and so I don't know how to introduce this because I don't really know the timeline myself, but of of like the the coping mechanism.
0: Mm. Well, well, up up to that point, yeah, you had been. I could tell that there was something on your mind, like something was bothering you, and yeah. it. I knew it was kind of you know related to this but Mm. a lot of that dialogue for you is internal for sure and so it's hard for me to know like when do i when should i try to pull some of this out and join the conversation
1: yeah what i didn't notice until after i realized that i was trying to cope with it Mm -hmm. was that it really was a hit on my deep desire to feel like I'm being affirmed and that I belong. Mm-hmm. I think it's more so the affirmation than it is the belonging, the affirmation side being the side where I'm being told that I'm, you know, like the things that you just want to know, are, am I a good advisor? Mm-hmm. Like, am I good at what I do at work? Yeah. Am I am I not an idiot? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so those are questions that like I really like spiral into second guessing and questioning about myself mm-hmm. maybe sometimes subconsciously yeah and then on the other side too with those questions that I have also causes me to question whether or not I belong to where I'm working yeah and that's like such a like much deeper level of what I was consciously experiencing but it took me realizing that I was running away from confronting that and you know, that's the coping mechanism for me is forms of escapism, being detached, not being present, mm-hmm. um, looking for some relief. And it wasn't until I like realized that that's not where I should be finding the solution mm-hmm. where I like recognized that going through that really unduly made me question some of these things that I shouldn't be banking my identity on. Yeah or I shouldn't be putting it into some like unnecessary weight that like, man, at the end of the day, you're not being like, you should not be affirmed because of what you've done Mm -hmm. or what you haven't done. Like the Mm -hmm. whole premise of the gospel is that you did not accomplish it, that you weren't able to do it, that you deserve no affirmation. And yet God's grace was lavished upon you. The whole premise of the gospel is that you don't belong. And so, that's the idol. Like that's a subtle idol that I can work this out in me and I'm able to be competent and knowledgeable and somebody that likes, loves to serve others and is good at serving others. Like some of those things are like, these are good things. Mm -hmm. But if we bank our identity on our ability to deliver on those things, it's a really shaky foundation. Yeah. And I think that, experience reminded me of where I'm actually banking my identity on and how shaky that is to set your identity on here. This is what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. This is how long I've worked in this industry. You know, I'm part of this firm, blah, blah, blah. And it's really much more from a just daily understanding that I am not infallible. Um, Mm -hmm. I I come with imperfections, yet at the same time I belong to God. There's nothing that can separate me from His love, and like these promises to that are true that we've heard, that we know, that we understand, we believe. We have to like keep retelling telling ourselves that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'll slip into feeling like, oh, okay, I can I can actually accomplish this. I can actually attain it. I actually deserve this. And the whole premise is that you don't and you can't and that we do these things anyways from the basis of the fact that we have been given these gifts and that we are invited to participate in God's redemptive work of the gospel in these people's finances, in this people's chaos that they're experiencing in their minds because they're so nervous about what retirement looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, that's specifically in my case. So yeah, yeah, I think unpacking all of those things, plus the experience, plus having the sermon series was just what drove me to like having this, just like kind of this realization that, you know, this is this is something that we face every single day that mm-hmm. we need to be consciously aware of, like setting aside. I think there's a natural tendency for us to feel like we are in charge of our own, we're in control of our own destiny. I think for us, the ability for us to feel like we are in control with not only the plethora of choices that we have in our day to day, but also just because it's so easy for us to think that, you know, I woke up this morning, I prepared for this meeting, I did all of the hard work, can lull you into believing that you're the one who's in control. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think being aware that that's not actually the truth helps you actually do a better job and not let those things disproportionately bother you when things don't work out Mm -hmm. in a way that you would want it to work out. Relying on the end of the day that, you know, the Lord's still in control. He's still good. He still provides. And, you know, we are just supposed to trust in his timing, his provision, whether good or bad, that, you know, he is still sovereign.
0: Yeah. So I have two questions for you then. Yeah. So, how does one go about the process of identifying what your idols are and kind yeah. of tagged along with that? What was it that helped you connect that you were maybe idolizing competence in that moment? Cause that's the really what led to you saying, you know, let's talk about this was when you came to me after kind of this whole experience of, going through the work stuff and then we listened to the sermon stuff and then we talked about it in a group and we're trying to, you know, having this discussion about idols and you kind of started piecing things together. Um, So how were you able to get to that point to identify that, that that was an idol? And then once you identify that, what do you do with it? Like how does one shift, Mm -hmm. make that shift from idolizing competence to not or you know whatever it is
1: yeah i think it's probably taking the time to identify why i feel the way that i do Mm. and why i'm doing what i'm doing and so in terms of just going into a research mode and doing anything else than what i'm supposed to be doing Mm. to provide relief Mm -hmm. or like not going to the end of how I felt about that situation, I think for me, I have a tendency to just be like, "Oh, that felt like something," and then not really press into like what that actually was, mm. and just try to get away from it. Yeah. So, you know, what I felt was something. Maybe, I don't know, and that's about it. <laughs> like, that's, it. that's it. And then you do something else. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like that emotion doesn't, that feeling doesn't go away. Yeah. And that's particularly dominant. Probably in a in an upbringing or in a culture where bad feelings are bad, yeah. you don't talk about them. Yeah, you don't bring them to your conscience. You don't actually examine it. And it takes examining what it is that you're in my case, what is the emotion that you're running away from? Yeah. So that you not only realize what you're running away from, but like why am I going towards something else? Like mm-hmm. what's what are you trying to alleviate by n- not going into the area that you're avoiding? Yeah. And so I think just a combination of those things being confronted by it in other ways of like talking about idolatry. My initial thought was always back to the golden calf. Like, Oh, how silly those, those people that did that over there. Yeah. And it's like idolatry at the end of the day can be distilled into the idea that you have a definition for what's good and bad Mm -hmm. and you don't trust the Lord's definition for it. Yeah. And that, I'm good if I do these things, or I'm bad if I, you know, in my case, I'm a good person if I can make this prospect or this person who's interested in working with us turn into a client. That's my own definition. Yeah. And that in its purest form is idolatry because this is the thing that we should be doing. Worshiping the calf back then, you know, today pursuing any sense of desire that you have to its fullest Mm -hmm. and that that manifests itself in so many different ways today Mm -hmm. you know sex drugs and rock and roll as three simple examples and just freely you know you do you follow that and i think that's at the heart of it a distrust of god's ability to be a guidepost or a standard Mm-hmm. for what is actually good and bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, you define sex in the context of marriage as where we find human flourishing? No, I think I can find that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I can find that in casual relationships where there's no consequences, which is not true. Or I can find that on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so with all of like, the conversations we were having, the sermons we were listening to, it was like starting to just like put all these pieces together of, you know, what is it that I'm running away from and actually trying to define as good or bad for myself Hmm. and then just connecting that to the event that made me feel a certain way Mm -hmm. when like my default probably is to just tell myself, Oh, I felt something and then not face it again. So, yeah.
0: So then once you, are able to identify you go through that process, you examine, you reflect. Yeah. You're able to kind of connect some of those pieces. Hey, I'm running from this. I'm trying to pursue it this way. What do you do? Once that is clear, then
1: once that's in terms of like, what's the, once that's been identified?
0: Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm elevating competence. Yeah. I'm making it ultimate. It, this doesn't define my worth. Yeah. So what's the, what's the step of actually dealing with your idols because I I say that because I don't think it's just enough to acknowledge it, right? Acknowledging it isn't going to provoke any sense of change Mm -hmm. or really give me any direction for in a different situation that's not that same situation, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Maybe I know how to handle it in that one situation again because I literally just went through it, but play that out in three different other scenarios and Mm -hmm. change the context and will I be able to identify that as easily yeah and so how do you take clear steps forward then in being able to actually deal with it
1: yeah i think it really is
0: i know i'm throwing a hard (laughs) that's it's a hard question it
1: is a hard question but i think the answer i'm going to give you seems so simple and straightforward but the implementation is extremely difficult and i think it boils down to make it easier for you to do the things that will make you remember these and make it harder for you to do the things that will make you believe in that idol again. Mm. So what does that mean practically? If your self soothing is doom scrolling, then get rid of social media and use that time that you were using to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. And so some call that meditation, some call that devos, some people call that quiet time. I like to think of it as just like a reframing of where I stand positionally Mm -hmm. and reaffirming that these things cannot be taken away from me because they've been given to me freely and this is where I stand. And really just like being reminded of that. Mm -hmm. And so however you do that, some people like have the luxury of reading two, three hours, or journaling, or, you know, just listening to scripture, whatever your method is, it's not so much the method as it is. Let's try to do more of the things that bring the right focus and try to do the less of the things that would lure you into subtly thinking that you're actually in control of your mm-hmm. destiny and you have the ability to define what is good and bad. Because what does John Calvin say? Our hearts are idol making factories and we have the capacity to do evil. We always try to think that the evil person is out there without keeping mind of your own like ability to do evil. Mm-hmm. And so just make it harder for yourself to do that. If And there's like really simple applications for what that could practically mean, but it's really the execution that b- makes this discipline challenging and that's really what it boils down to i think in terms of like the christian journey is setting those things aside that deceive us into thinking differently Mm -hmm. and you know basically what the serpent sent to adam and eve is this is that really what god told you Mm -hmm. and casting doubt and there's so many things that can cast doubt you know i sound like a guy who's about to go into a monastery and wear wear a robe and just focus on scriptures all day (laughs) but there is a sense of like importance in just having that, like reframing, having that awareness, bringing it into your consciousness. Yeah. So for me now it's like trying to leverage my car rides to the office and back. And like, I know I have dedicated time where I can like listen to something Mm -hmm. and I try to really make most of that and just recognize like at the end of the day, this is all a gift from the Lord and we don't deserve any of this so, I'll just try to do my part in, you know, doing, you know, literally, Jurgen Klopp said this, that like, I don't want you to think of me when I came to this club. I want you to think of what I've accomplished after I've left. Hmm. I think I'm butchering that. But basically, like, what have you done with... It's like the parable of the talents. Yeah. And so, that's, that's really what we're trying to do, or at least what I'm trying to do, is doing whatever like we've been placed in this city we've been placed in our jobs we've been placed with these children and what are we cultivating with the opportunities that we've been given and really doing just everything we can to make it just one degree better a little bit better better than we found it so that's where i'm at Well, hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Table Talks with the Tare's.
0: We'd love to hear from you. And if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about, visit honorsunderscore.com slash tabletalks to let us know.
1: And if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: All music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.